Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 20. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise and their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for leading us into worship this morning. I do have one other thing I want to update you on in terms of a prayer concern. Um, Amy Fry's dad, Thomas Gardner, is now uh, in, Altoona, in the Altoona Hospital. He's transferred up there. Um, they are working on the theory of meningitis, but they don't really know. He has numerous uh, health concerns. Uh, but they're, they're having some issues. His biggest issue is, is confusion. Um, and, and Amy's biggest problem is being a nurse, um, being knowing enough to worry a lot and kind of having the, the family expectations that since you're a nurse, you can, uh, you can make everything right. <laughs> so uh, pray for Tom, uh, pray for, for Amy as well as she, as she deals with caring for her father. So. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as Dave mentioned, we know that you are here. We know that your spirit is in this place. And we just pray that our spirits might be in tune with your spirit. So that as we spend this time looking into your word, you can speak to us. That you can encourage us that we can hear what we need to, to hear and be challenged where we need to be challenged, Lord. Um, just, just have your way in this time um, that we might grow and serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Years ago when I was ministering in Lebanon County, we, li we lived in, in the parsonage, and uh, one year during the, the summer, a, a permanent air conditioner was installed in one of the parsonage windows. Well, when it, when it came time for, in the fall, to cover up the air conditioner so all the, the cold air didn't blow in, 
I put my considerable building talents to use to make a cover for the air conditioner. I took some pieces of styrofoam insulation, duct taped them around the air conditioner, and put a big garbage bag over it. It actually didn't work too bad for a while until the dog went nuts during a thunderstorm and chewed the corner off. But every year when I'd go to try to put that on again, the pieces were breaking, uh, the, the bag wasn't working right, the tape wasn't holding, and the wind was blowing it all over while I was trying to put it on the air conditioner. So finally, I decided to build a wooden cover for the air conditioner. There was a lot of figuring to do because of the, the windows and the window tracks and the, the sill and the angle of the air conditioner. Um, but it, it, was a pretty good, uh, it was a pretty good cover. I made it out of eighth-inch plywood with a three-fourths three inch frame, lined it with, with insulation, and even painted it blue to match the shutters. Now, while I was working on that, a guy stopped by and called me a wood butcher, which was a little offensive, but if, if, uh, if, if some of you who are actually talented with building things saw it, you would have probably gotten a pretty good laugh. At the same time, you know, every, every year when I wanted to put it on, I just two screws and it was in, and when I needed to take it off, two screws out, and, and, it, was, and it was done. So I went out, whatever it was, whichever, whether it was putting it up or taking it off, I, I went out with pride. I, I felt good about it. Some careful building with the right materials made a big difference. And that's really what Paul is talking about in the scripture that was read earlier. Our text this morning really covers the, the, whole, the whole book, the whole third chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, and I hope you have your Bibles open to that passage. Paul begins this chapter by revisiting something that he addressed in the first chapter of this letter, which is divisions in the church caused by focusing on too much on individuals and not enough on God. Basically, Paul calls the Corinthians spiritual babies. He uses a somewhat more tactful term, mere infants in Christ. But he's, he's speaking to them as carnal or worldly Christians, a situation that is true just as much today as it was back in Corinth. He, he's talking about those who've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and, and Jesus is at work in their life, but he's not on the throne. He's not in control. They are. So their lives look very much like the lives of non-Christians. Even though they, they really are Christians, they, they really are saved. That situation should never exist in the life of a mature believer. In verses 5-8, through eight, Paul uses an agricultural metaphor for the growth of God's kingdom. He talks about planting seeds and, and, and watering the ground and God making things grow. And then verse 9 is a very simple transition into the building metaphor. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Following the text we read, Paul tells us that we are God's temple and therefore responsible even for how we care for ourselves. And he reminds us not to trust in man's wisdom, including our own, but to look to the superior wisdom of God. And to me, the building metaphor that comes between those two is really the heart of our message. 
And it's the basic, basic basis for what I want to share this morning. Let's start by acknowledging the fact that we are all builders. Each one of us here this morning is building at least three things. We're building a life. We're building vital relationships. And together, we're building a church. We're all building individual lives. We're constructing our character. We're developing an outlook on life. We're we're nailing down values and, and commitments. We're assembling skills and abilities. We're erecting a witness for the world to see. All of which will lead to our eternal destiny. We're even building the physical part of our life through diet, discipline, nutrition, and exercise, or, or lack thereof, we're, we're building or perhaps whittling down our bodies. And that does have some, important, some importance, as Paul points out, because our bodies are the temple of God. We're building vital relationships. We're building friendships. We're building families. Many of us are, are building marriages or looking forward to building marriages. Day by day, often in ways, little ways that we don't even recognize. For, for better or worse, as we like to say, we're determining the structure of those relationships. And most importantly, we are building or neglecting our relationship with God. We're also building the church. Remember, in the Bible, the church is never a physical structure. It's the body of Christ. It's brothers and sisters in Christ bound together in love, in worship, and in service to Jesus Christ. While Paul's words are directed most specifically at building that church, I think his words apply to the other forms of building as well. We all have a role to play in the building process. Paul writes, each one should build with care. Each one. In his agricultural metaphor, Paul notes that God makes things grow. Yet we must serve as planters, waterers, and harvesters. I suppose even spreaders of fertilizer are required. And some of us are better suited to that than others. But no matter who you are, you have a role to play in building the church. You have gifts and talents that are needed here. You have ideas and and insights to share. If you didn't have a role to play here, God would lead you somewhere else. Each one of us has a role to play in building our family. It's not just the parents who who build the family and the home, although they have the greatest responsibility. Children have a great impact on the structure of the family. And I hope all of our children think about how they can contribute positively to the family. And by the way they they, they treat their parents by the way they, they treat their brothers and sisters. And it's not just the immediate family. My Aunt Dawn, who had no children of her own, played a, a powerful role in, in, in the life of, of my family and, and the family of my cousins as well. We, we may be experts or, or novices. We may be shoddy or precise. But in any case, we have an impact on the end product. We have an impact on the final building. And we are called to build carefully. We need to give God. We need to give our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to give our spouses. We need to give our families and even ourselves our very best constructive efforts. 
We need to give careful attention to building the kinds of lives, the kind of marriages, the kinds of families, and the kind of church that God wants us to build. Paul tells us how to go about that careful building. We must, first of all, begin with a sound foundation. We must begin with the foundation of Jesus Christ. You know, men, men have come along throughout time and have proposed all kinds of other foundations, other gods, no gods, other philosophies, other worldviews. None will stand the test of time. Jesus is the foundation, the one on whom everything must be built, the solid rock beneath that allows the building above to be firm and strong and settled and straight. And this foundation is the biblical Jesus. It's not the one who suits our fancy. It's not the one who fits the little boxes that we've constructed for Him. It's not the Jesus that some scholars call the historical Jesus because they've rejected the Jesus of the Bible and, and they're attempting to discover or, or more realistically invent a Jesus who's more to their liking. The foundation of Jesus is the true historical Jesus. He is the Son of God who, who died and rose from the dead, who taught and healed and forgave sin, who challenged the religious people because of their hypocrisy and His own followers because of their lack of faith. The same Jesus who said, Neither do I condemn you and also go and sin no more. That's the Jesus who has to serve as our foundation for any successful life, for any successful marriage, for any successful church. However, Paul does refer to another foundational element, the foundation of expert builders. He writes, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Now what foundation is he referring to here? The term expert builder is one word in the Greek. And it's the word from which we get our word architect. What's an architect do? Well, hopefully, with, with great skill and knowledge and training, they draw up the detailed plans, the, the blueprints for building on the foundation. Without an architect, we wouldn't have the, the wonderful addition that we have. There were a lot of good ideas put into that from within the church, but an architect had to, to put the actual plans together. So who are these architects for building, on our, for building our spiritual lives? Paul claimed to be one, and rightly so. I believe he still is, along with Peter, James, John, the writer of Hebrews. The men commissioned by God and inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the New Testament letters. Those are the architects. Those letters provide commentary and application of, of Jesus' life and teachings as recorded in the Gospels. And they serve as the blueprint for building correctly and carefully on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Are there other experts or, or spiritual architects today? Perhaps. But I would trust no one who would contradict or stray from the foundational writings that we have in Scripture. With this foundation, we must carefully choose our building products. 
Paul lists some of the building products that were used in his day to make a contrast between high-quality and low-quality building methods. This contrast is not between good and evil. It's between what has eternal value and what does not. What will endure, what will last, and what is very temporary. Going back to my air conditioning cover, there's nothing evil about styrofoam, duct tape, and garbage bags. Although when they start flying around in the wind, you may perceive them as evil. You may even speak evil of them. But they're less durable and useful than wood, at least in building an air conditioner cover. Paul first lists high-quality materials, gold, silver, costly stones. These materials are strong, and they lend strength to what is being built. They're durable, virtually indestructible. They're also more expensive. They don't come easily. Paul is talking about those things which will count for eternity. Those things that will endure the trials and testings of life and the judgment to come at the end of this life. As you think about this church, as you think about your life, as you think about your marriage or your family, how much of the building that you are doing is with gold and silver and costly stones? What portion of our efforts here at Woodbury Church of the Brethren are aimed at bringing lost souls into the kingdom of God? In our actions, interactions with each other, do we get beyond the surface level to where we can actually build each other up in love? In our relationships with our families and in our marriages, are we just focused on the day-to-day? Or, or do we invest deeply in those relationships? expending our time and resources to build something beautiful and precious. Remember, those materials don't come cheap. Even in building our own lives, are we content to settle for just getting by? Or are we focused on what, beyond what just leads to, to wealth and, and satisfaction in this life? Do we take time to focus on what is truly life-changing and eternal. Are we building what Jesus wants us to build? What he wants in our lives. Paul also, also, Paul also lists lesser materials. Wood, hay, and straw. Some writers call these inferior materials, but I'm not sure that's fair. All of these had some use in building in that day. Even the temple had wooden beams. They were overlaid in gold, but the the structure was wood. Straw was used in making the mortar that held the stones together. In our lives, in the life of the church, there are some things that just simply have to be done to facilitate others. There are administrative details, bills to be paid, jobs that have to be done to bring in income, dishes that need to be done, Rooms to be cleaned, lawns to be mowed. But we must never let that which is wood, hay, and straw supersede or interfere with what is gold and silver and precious stones. John Alexander, in an article called The Other Side, which appeared in Christianity Today, wrote this. I suppose that the worst thing we can do in our lives 
is to actively pursue wickedness, oppression, rape, hatred. They are hideous. But doing things that don't matter is nearly as bad. God created us as wonderful beings, capable of loving, caring, growing. And what do we do most of the time? Nothing. We're intended to grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're intended to be like trees planted by rivers of water, like redwoods. We're intended to treat others as we'd like to be treated ourselves. But instead, we go about our daily routines rarely asking whether what we're doing matters. Most of the time, we're redwoods transplanting, transplanting ourselves to the desert. In other words, we're not choosing our building materials carefully. Paul's words make it clear that we can't always tell these materials apart. We can't always recognize what will last and what will not. How can we know? Well, to avoid deception, trust God's wisdom and not our own. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think they are wise by the standards of this age, they should become a fool so that they may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. The Greek base for the words that we have here, fool and foolishness, is the base from which we get our words moron and moronic. Paul starts by calling them babies, now he calls them morons. No wonder some people in the Corinthian church didn't like him. It is foolish, moronic if you will, to trust your own wisdom. Rather than tapping into the wisdom of God or the mind of Christ as, as Paul talked about earlier. We need to tap into the mind of Christ for the direction as to those things that will and will not last. Paul concludes this section with a warning. The quality of what we build will be revealed. You might make a careless life, or a carelessly built marriage, or a carelessly built family, or even a carelessly built church. You might make that look good for a while on the outside. But one way or another, the quality of what we build will be revealed. Paul writes, the day will bring it to light. What does he mean by the day? Maybe he means as in daylight or, or, or the light of Christ. In John 3, Jesus said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. As the light of Christ shines on us, it reveals the quality of our life and what we've built. Or maybe he means day as in the day of crisis. If we've, if we've built our lives carelessly, they may fall apart when crisis comes, when, when temptation is strong, when tragedy strikes, when fear overwhelms. If, if we've been careless in building our marriage, it may crumble when there are, are great losses and trials. It may become susceptible to, to disillusionment and, and, and to affairs. If we've been careless in building family relationships, that son or daughter may not be willing or even able 
to come to us when they need us the most. And our family may be broken. And if we fail to build our church on the authority of God's Word, on committed relationships and in unity, when differences and struggles and Satan attacks come, what we have built may collapse like a house of cards. Or maybe since day is capitalized in my Bible, Paul's talking about the day of the Lord or or the day of judgment. When we stand before God when this life is over, there will be no hiding the quality of what we have built. Our our, our motives will be revealed. Where, Where we've been selfish, where we've done things to make ourselves look good. where we've been careless, where we've been neglectful, it will be shown for what it is. And that flows into Paul's other revealer of quality. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Again, one of the primary differences between the building materials that Paul described is this. Gold, silver, and precious stones will endure fire. In fact, gold and silver become even purer in fire. But wood and hay will not survive fire. They will be quickly destroyed. And anytime we start talking about judgment and fire, people start thinking about hell. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about a judgment of rewards, not of salvation versus damnation. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping the flames. There are several judgments that are referenced in Scripture. This is a judgment for saved believers. They they will all get into heaven, but some will smell a lot like smoke when they get there. The Bible clearly teaches here and elsewhere that there are rewards for careful building, for for living our lives faithfully, even beyond the reward of heaven itself. And where we have lived and built carelessly, those actions will be burned away and rewards will be lost. David wrote, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I agree. But why be a doorkeeper when you can be a throne sitter? Why not build and take with you what will count for eternity? There's an old hymn that I have not heard sung in years. But it came back to me as I was thinking about this message. It's called, Must I Go Empty-Handed? Listen to the words of the first three verses and then the final chorus. Must I go and empty-handed, thus my dear Redeemer meet? Not one day of service give Him, lay no trophy at His feet. Not at death I shrink nor falter, for my Savior saves me now. But to meet Him empty-handed, thought of that now clouds my brow. Oh, the years in sinning wasted, could I but recall them now? I would give them to my Savior, to His will I'd gladly bow. And then the chorus is this. 
Must I go and empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? It's a rather challenging, uh, challenging hymn. If we are careful builders in this life, we will not go empty-handed into the life to come. We will have built things that count for eternity. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, just pray this morning that in our relationships, in our homes, in our families, in our lives, and yes, Lord, in the church that we are building together, that we, will build, that we might build carefully. That we might build with things that count for eternity. And make a difference in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray.